Oh, man. Do you ever feel like Apple was just a false god that we all worshipped? What? Worshipped past tense? (laughs) So I'm sitting down in my my underwear and um, socks with my feet up. And I have two glasses of oh, uh, two glasses of water and a can of beer. I'm ready to do this. My how podcasting has changed since 2015. Not at all. I have a tall boy natural light seltzer. The flavor is called House Rules. When strawberry and kiwi call the shots, six percent alcohol, twenty five <sighs> fluid ounces. You should be ashamed. Luke, I fear nothing. Your insults cannot hurt me. That's true. No. Hey, do you want to know who I voted for? No. Not at all. Not even a little bit. (laughs) I hate everything. How are you? Well, Luke, I am doing, I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm doing, I'm doing really good in certain ways and I'm doing okay in other ways. Um, in, uh, in, in one area of my life, um, you know how last week we talked, let me say this. Last week we talked about Cecilia crushing being a goalie. You remember that? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. A lot of a lot of fans wrote in and just made some comments. You know, certain people texted me like, "Hey, you know, it's so good to hear you know all this stuff about Cecilia." Some of y'all wrote in, and then, uh, yeah, we 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 went to some dark places, man. We went to some very yeah. dark places soon after that, and it was it wasn't as bad, but it was almost as bad as when she was on her first set of medications when we're trying to figure out like how to mm-hmm. you know help her out and that got that got super dark this is it's trending down and it scares the crap out of me because i'm gonna be honest like i got like me and my wife i'm sure we got some ptsd with this stuff like yeah, to yeah, hear yeah. your to see and hear your kids say like you don't have to get specific yeah no and i'm not going to but like to okay, say yeah. and get some like really like horrific stuff you never thought a nine-year-old knew, let alone would say about themselves or someone else. Um, it it like scares you. It scares you, and it makes you angry. Like trying to deal with it. Everyone that um, you know, we had some people. Moira wrote it, and she said, "You're gonna want to hate yourself for a lot of the things that you go through, but just have a little patience with yourself." And it's true because like you feel like it's so bad. You don't know how it could be good, right? And so you just want – you think discipline's the only way. You think, like, all of these things you tell yourself, well, now I'll get through. Now I'll get through. And it's just – it's just mental illness. You can't out-yell, discipline, organize mental illness. You can treat it. You can cope with it. You can come up with healthy practices around it. But you can't just will it away. And it it's just something that is going to be with you for a very long time. Now, I uh, have talked about our, like, my daughter loves the people that she has as her mental health people, and they are no longer in our <laughs> network. That was a joy. But it's going great. It's going That stuff is going great. Watching them play sports is going great. And uh, I got to say, man, sports ball is totally different when it's your own kid. Oh. So cool. Right. It's just yeah. a totally different thing. And well, I'm a totally found different. the value in it. <laughs> I mean, I played my whole life, but I played my whole life. Uh, but it's it's just so different when it's your yeah. own kid, obviously. 
but it's mm-hmm. powerful and it's awesome. And to see them, and part of the reason is you see them achieve something that's very, very concrete. You know, it's not like, oh, you got your math skills, slight, you know, a tenth of a percent improved. Yay. Like, no, you outran a kid and you scored a goal. Like, that's incredible. Or, you know, you, you, you did a pass or you, you know, whatever it is. There's something so beautifully tangible about it that I just love. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. No, it's it's really um, like you're kind of in the, the like you're in a really in, in interesting stage with your kids where it's uh, they're starting and it's uh, and it's 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 not that they weren't their own individual persons before this, but it's 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 almost like it's on a fast track now. You know where you're going to see more and more of their personalities. Yeah. And they're yeah. they're going to start to do things that. They're going to start to find the things that they actually care about. Yeah. The and voice is going to get deeper. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, like, you know, you're a couple years away from, you know, like adolescence. And a big part is that period, <laughs> right? Like, you know, like they're now of the age where they're going to start to have the movies that they love for the rest of their life. Yeah. They're going to start to see things that are going to impact, like, the things that they find funny or the things that they find interesting. You know, like I saw when I was – um so when I was Cecilia's age, I saw Wayne's World, you know, a film that, like, I probably sh- should not have seen that. But, like, it profoundly impacted, like, what I find funny. And different, <laughs> and it's still, it's still a thing that I just absolutely love. And that's really, really cool and really exciting. It is. It is. Although, you know, it's unfortunate that my kids love High School Musical so much. I blame Shannon for that. Oh, personally. absolutely. What, are you going to blame me? No, thank you. <laughs> Kids, it's time to watch Sweeney Todd with Flat Lukey. <laughs> There's a hole in the road. I feel like shit. We're on the streets of London. <laughs> Man, I can't even watch that show. Sweeney Todd. Yeah, it's, um, I liked it at the time, but when I, 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 I it's a great a musical, but just not the best movie. Truly, it's, it's just not very interesting. Yeah, but a for effort though. I mean, listen, it's on paper. It sounds great. Tim Burton, uh, you um, had two thousand and eight Johnny Depp in a Sweeney Todd musical. That sounds awesome. <laughs> Johnny Depp, Johnny Depp. So I, I guess it's okay to like him again. So that's fun. <laughs> Turns out his wife beat him, which is so bizarre. That whole saga is so bizarre. Well, here's the thing, I um. You know, I'm not very okay. So I'm not very close with a lot of uh, famous, with a lot of uh, famous individuals, and nope. I'm gonna hmm. dare say that. Uh, but I'm also gonna say, like, I have started to experience a bit what it's like to be someone who is known on a very tiny, very unimportant level. No, that means nothing to anyone. Um, and. You just start to know certain people who then, like, do things where they become kind of famous. You know, like, uh, like actually, one of my sister's friends, um, she's a – I think I talked about her before on the podcast way back when. She's a – she is a stand-up named Beth Stelling. Just had a thing on HBO Max that Conan O'Brien made, like her stand-up thing. Oh, that's cool. It's it's uh yeah, and she's really she's a really she's she's hilarious. She's she's her whole thing is trying to be the and this is what she told me back in gosh when it was like 2014. So it might not even be what she's going for anymore. But she wanted to be kind of the go between between a um, a Whitney Cummings and Roseanne Barr. 
So like you're like you know I'm a girl and like a crude a woman, kind of somewhere like in between that. <laughs> and um, I'm and I'm and I'm sure it's insanely vulgar. But, the sweet uh, spot that Luke Carey has monopolized for years. <laughs> you, you just start to realize that like famous people are just people. And I'm not saying that beforehand. I was like, they're they're like us, but perfect. It's more of just uh, you don't have a point of reference. Yeah. For that, and for me, it's kind of weird over the past, like, you know, in my 30s, I, I, I also think podcasts have helped with this. Um, I've had a point of reference for that. Hmm, interesting. And it just, uh, you kind of see how, like, oh, this thing, like, you know, like, when we do things on the podcast, people think that that's us. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, this isn't us. This is... Now, you could say it's us over the course of 270 episodes. My gosh, what is wrong with you all? Um, but it uh, like you, I've just really started to see and understand how fame just means that a lot of people know who you are. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And so like someone and like a lot of people who are famous are really weird because you have to be really weird to kind of want that. Yeah. And be okay with it, especially at a, you know, a Johnny depth level so i wouldn't it it kind of doesn't surprise me that um he uh like may have gotten beaten up because johnny depp just doesn't seem oh, like a huge like girl let's go out and like chop down a tree and p- pump some iron i mean he wears a lot of scarves you know he's very like he just seems very sensitive he does seem very sensitive like all actors are <laughs> he does seem he's an actor not a fighter it just, I mean, it's it's just like they're they're you know just people, and a lot of times they can be really weird, and a lot of times they can just be very very normal and very cool, mm. and so it just uh, like you know, who, who have you ever met a celebrity? Uh, like what do you what do you mean by by that? Have you ever had a meaningful conversation with a celebrity? Probably the only one would be Beth Stelling. Okay, that's like that is like very. Big that, that she's probably the biggest person that I've ever like hung out with. Then okay. actually, like you know, just like we spent, a, like, she she came to Disneyland and hung out with us for a whole day. And it was just, it was yeah. I mean, I mean, I I didn't realize that she was that big of a comic. Yeah. So, um, well, she was kind of on her way up at that point in time, and um, it was just it was fun because like we just like we got along like I, I had I knew her in high school but like not very well. She was just one of Emily's friends, and um, we started to bond like over like comedy. And I just, I remember she she said the funniest joke where she said like this is a bit that I feel like people just um wouldn't like. And she told me and I was like holy shit, that's one of the funniest things I've ever heard. You're actually really good at this. Like because <laughs> I, I I could just it was this joke where I was like you had to really think about that. Like, yeah. like, to, to, and, um, but anyways, that's, um, I'm trying to think of anyone else that's more famous. What about you? Uh, I don't, th- I don't think so. I don't think, uh, I don't think anyone famous, I don't think I've ever, other than being on Reality Bites and then not being on it, yikes. Uh, <laughs> your dreams? Yeah, yeah. I would say that Father Mike Schmitz is famous. Yeah, I, I te- mean, I text him. He's not on the level of like, you know he's not going to be hosting SNL anytime soon or anything like that. But I or but I, I would say that he's very, you know, he uh, is very very well known. But he's I mean he's like he's kind of the exception to that. I mean he well no actually he's just a really good dude. 
And he is what he seems like he is. And I think there are some famous people who actually – I've heard that about, like, uh, Tom Hanks. Yeah. Uh, Tom Hanks is what you think that he is. He's just a very pleasant person to be around. I was talking with our mutual friend Jeremy Barton. He was reminding me of Tom Hanks on Celebrity Jeopardy as himself. So funny. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was actually really funny. If you can really trash yourself or, you know, self-deprecating humor, I and you're a celebrity, I will find you ten times more uh, appealing as a human person. Who do you think is the best person that we've interviewed who is a quote-unquote a famous person? I mean, what do you mean? We, um, Father Mike Schmitz and Matt Fred are like the most famous people we know. No, no. No, but that, that we've had on the podcast. Like, who else have we had on? That's we've famous? had some... I, I don't think you realize how big Aaron Gillespie is. Okay. No, you're right. I don't. I don't live in that world. He's a very, very, very famous person. He has two gold albums. <laughs> yeah, but in Christian music. No, 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 it's not. It's like he was the, they were one of the first big um, Christian bands to become like, like they act the whole, the whole screamo scene of when you first started being like, you know, when you were a, when uh, you were a youth minister back in like 05 and 06, uh-huh. and kids were real into all of the like, all of the, all the screamo and emo. Yeah. They made that happen. Okay. Okay. Like they specifically What band like, was that? Under Oath. Yeah. No. Yeah. They're only chasing safety and. Yeah. Yeah. All that. Like they oh, were yeah. legit like. I'm not saying it's as big as this stuff at all, but it was this on, like, a very smaller level. If you compare it to, like, the grunge movement, they're like Pearl Jam or something like that. Okay, okay. Like, they're still big now within that, people who like that. But, like, out of anyone that we've interviewed that's, like, you know, that is kind of well-known, even if it's, like, a niche thing, not – let's – don't count, like, our friends. So don't count Father Mike Schmitz. Don't count Matt – don't count Matt Fratt. Who's been the most interesting that you think that we have talked to mm. or had the best com- – I, I, I would say not the best podcast, but who did you enjoy talking with the most? Huh. That's a good question. I think uh, – who did I enjoy the most? Maybe maybe Abigail Favale? I really enjoyed talking with her. I really enjoy everything that she writes. I, I think don't so. think she's famous, though. No. I not don't know. Who, who else is famous that – like, I feel like you know what I'm supposed to say, and I no, don't. Well, well, okay, okay. So let me define these terms. Yeah. Not, like, not like a um, Catholic speaker, author that's like kind, like, oh, this person's – like, I mean, she's great, but like she's um, – okay, Too so narrow? Me, Too narrow? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, okay. I, I would say like – because that was – again, I really wish we could – we need to have her on again because you remember how sick I was? Yeah. I was so dehydrated, I could barely focus. Why were you so sick? I had such bad, I mean, I'll just be real blunt, diarrhea. Mm-hmm. I had really, and I was so, I felt so terrible. Makes me so happy that you said that on the podcast. I, well, it, it's the truth, though, because the whole time I'm just like, oh, my gosh. I just, like, my stomach was feeling <laughs> weird. I, I was just cracked my snow. Like I just was like I mean we've all felt that way before when you've had terrible d- diarrhea and you have to somehow uh, to try to function. Like I mean I remember asking her a thing, going I'm sorry I'm making no sense I don't know what's going on I can barely focus. Yeah I remember you saying that it was pretty funny. Uh, I don't know who was yours was yours Aaron I Gillespie? Think, no 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 uh, I think that was fun uh, but no I would say Derek Webb I think was the most interesting. Yeah he was inter- he was interesting because especially when he introduced to the thousand true fans. And stuff like he, that. I really he just that. like 
he could easily I mean in the in the in that world that he's in, he is a megastar. Now it's a very niche group. And I but it's um like that was a big deal that that we that we got him. And I thought he was by far the most just like I could have talked to him forever. He was just real outgoing. He was very he was very interesting. He was willing to go deep really fast. Yeah. And I remember to be like, oh, I kind of get why you are the way that you are, why people like you, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. it's just, I thought it was, I thought it was so like, like that, you know, that kind of a level. You know, we need to get more interviews like that. Not just, you know, fancy pants and niche people that have very interesting things to say. I think we should try. We used to try. Well, yeah, Remember no, when we tried. We were. Yeah, it was fun. No, it was fun. I, I, I think that uh, we, we got a little bit too into our own heads because some people started to write us a message because they got angry at us for God knows what. Joey. <laughs> Do you remember when he said that thing? It was like, you guys aren't good at interviewing. Stop. <laughs> the funny part is I think we're actually pretty good now. It's all uh, it's all game of inches. Yeah. Um. No, but I, I just I, – I, I bring up on this fame thing just because I, I do think it's really like – Do you feel like this, it's a uh, – is it a fame monster? <laughs> is that from like a Lady Gaga song? <laughs> yeah, it sure is. I, I think it's very important to see people's humanity and to allow your humanity to be seen. Nice. Okay. And you can definitely go too far in that on both sides. But I, I think to do it in a healthy way is, a, is like, a really good thing. And so, um, like, and I, I'm not saying that when we have guests on that they owe us anything at all. They don't. But you can kind of tell when someone's, like, not really interested in doing that. Or, or, or it's just um, not their thing either. Yeah. Or, or they don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. And it's just not, like, it's just not very interesting. And that's why I actually think some of our best interviews that we have done have just been with our friends because it's they're just willing to just kind of go there with us. Yeah, it's hard for people to want to do that. Yeah, you you have to really want to do it, and like also, and I think it just uh, I I do get um, worried that in our current age, if you will, we're just so used to kind of. Um, um, like we have access to everything, but everyone's kind of having to be their own brand. Yeah, and I think it just makes it hard to try to have some real, like, just uh, you kind of, you know, how we talked about, uh, I've talked about um, last week. How some people feel like they're just trying to cling for any real type of humanity. It um. I've been reading the Gospel of John for for my prayer life because of our good friend uh, David Nicole. He said it was good, and I said okay. And I'm so it, it's so interesting how much Jesus talks about who he is and where he comes from. Yeah, like over and over and over again. And um, I know we. I think we may have brought this up last last week, but we have brought this up before, and I know that I, and I know that a Catholic stuff has as well, and like other people have this idea that Christianity is not morality; 
that you can't say that like and I feel like yeah. so often that's what we treat it as. Christianity just, is not a moralism. Yeah. yeah. But but like you can't even like I don't like Christianity is ultimately about it's so like about Christ. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to um like I'm not trying to say that morality is bad, but we talk about it so much that it's so easy to like lose our humanity or to lose the to lose the um, to lose the humanity of other of like other people. Like Christ teaches people how to live, but it's always in reference to himself. It yeah. is never about here's how you behave. Here's the here's the ideologies that you really um, need to follow. Here are the issues that you should care about. Okay. I'm following you. I'm following and I, you. And, and I know that it makes me sound like I'm becoming a de like I'm going into a de uh de construction mode. I'm not, but I'm because it it is important. Like that's how we stay close. Like that's how we like live in reality is by understanding like these moral truths and like what is important and what's like what's like what is real. Like that's how we become more human is by engaging in that reality. But it's I feel like some like it's very easy to forget that it's like that Christ is always call it's it's about like it starts and ends with him. And all that stuff is important, but it's not like it starts with him. Let me let me throw something out there at you and see what you think. Okay. Now, uh, okay, I hundred percent agree with you, right? Christ put himself at the center of the message. He is the king. Wherever the king is, he brings the kingdom, right? And so that's kind of the thing that you have to understand. Jesus isn't just imparting. He's not just giving us another set of Ten Commandments, right? He's not just giving us the law. He's giving us himself. And that's the fundamental difference between the covenant leaders, the the vicarious representatives, as Colonel Ratzinger says, that went before us, you know, Moses and Abraham and all of them. And Jesus gives of himself, and he is the covenant. He's the one who makes the covenant, God. He's the one who enters into the covenant, man, right? And the covenant is expressed by being baptized into him. Like the, the preposition in is the most important preposition in Christianity. Why? Because that's who and what we are in Christ. We are now in him. So we're a new creation. So we're the resurrection, all that stuff. And then uh, Hansers von Balthasar and Cardinal Ratzinger co-authored a book on Christian moral principles about the, the radical Christocentrism of morality, of Christian morality. Right, so it's not just obey the natural law; it's follow the master. That's more than a vulgar moralism. What do I mean by vulgar moralism? Jesus just telling you what you can and can't do. Right, that's what we mean by a moralism. Now, the pushback I would give to that notion of of Christ at the center, Christ is the message. Right, that's what people don't understand. Jesus didn't come to make you happy; he came to make you him. Happiness is a byproduct of being united to him. The thing that I would push back, and I'm not necessarily pushing back to you, but there is an approach that people make, because I don't know if you know this, Luke, but things are really divisive today. I don't, did you know that, Luke? I, I, am, I, am, I am aware of it because of how people tweet. Yes, okay. And, and the way you shame me because I actually love Natty Light Hard Seltzer. That's because you have no taste. 
We have a God who is obsessed with taste, and you have none of it, sir. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate you. But let no, me say you, this. Let me. You, I don't. You I should. Love, I love every inch of you. Every yeah. inch of you. Some might say that my body is a wonderland. <laughs> you should charge admission. Um, the reality is people will use what you said to avoid the implications of the gospel in our daily lives. Now, but, again, I'm not saying that's what you did. But what I'm saying no. is yeah, 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 yeah. we need to do what you did first. The radical centering of my life on Jesus. You're right. Like, Jesus talked about himself and the kingdom more than anything else. He is like well, the wedding feast of Cana. This is the first of his signs that Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. Like, that's the power of the wedding feast of Cana in John chapter 2. He did these signs to begin to manifest his glory and what's the high point? The high point is when they see the glory of the only son, not, uh, you know, full of grace and truth, not like Moses who gave us the law. And so over and over again, if you lose the Christocentrism and you reduce Christian morality to just the natural law, you miss the art of living. You miss the vibrant dynamism that comes from following this person, not a principle. Um, but at the same time, and this is one of my favorite books, which starts where you start. It's called Sharing in Christ's Virtues by a man that I have repeatedly said on Twitter back when I was on Twitter that he could come crash up my house, uh, Professor Livio Molina out in Rome. His book, Sharing in Christ's Virtues, he says, uh, undoubtedly, we can say that there are priests who will gladly preach the kerygma. You know, they'll hide behind it because they're scared at the divisive nature of preaching morals, of actually going. And if we conceive of morality as this is how I live that life in Christ, which is how the catechism views it, then to not preach morality or teach morality or focus on morality. Because you said, like, I feel like that's all we do. And in a certain sense, I agree with you. But in another sense, I'm like, where? The pulpit? Very rarely do I get morality. I get vague generalisms. Yeah, but I... I... What say you, Debbie Wu? Um, I'm thinking. Do you at least know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, while you talk, I'm going on Amazon to buy some books. Livia Molina got me all hot and bothered. <laughs> that really, really, I've got you going. <laughs> blah, I blah, could blah, probably, you could come back and I would like still be I was trying to have a thought in you and you would have conceived a child. Listen to the t listen, Luke, you would love to conceive a child. So many paper cuts. Uh <laughs> <laughs> somehow just broke the okay, never mind. Just listen listen to the titles of his books, right? One of them is called Epiphany, the Epiphany of Love toward a theological understanding of Christian action. I mean, come on. That's an excellent title. It is. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I, 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 no, and, and I agree with you. I just think that it, um, there's a, um, we live in an age of ideologies. Oh, yeah, totally. And there's this, you, 
you're right in terms of we don't hear it from the pulpit as much. I, I, I don't think I would necessarily really agree with you on that completely. I think it's getting much better than what yeah. it used to be. Agreed. Agreed. 100%. And I um, – so uh, on They That Hope, that's a new podcast with Father Dave and yes. Bob Rice where they just are us but holier and much, much better and oddly even better looking. Uh Bob Rice talked about how when you're engaging on Twitter, you're really just because because it's like such because you have such um, you only have like a confined amount of characters that you can that you can use. You're actually not talking with people. You're talking with ideas. Mm. And I think it gets dangerous when you and, and like this is the hard part, um, right? It's because we exist in an age where the idea of morality is rejected, right? So we're constantly having to talk about it, but I, I, I there's this danger where it becomes ideologies real like it, like it comes it becomes ideological really 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 quick. I'm not going to tell people who I voted for on this on this podcast because of that fact because it would it because like when I would it the bulk of my conversations about it would not be about actually why I voted for him and um, whether or not they think it's a good idea or they understand and they don't agree, it immediately becomes an ideological battle because it's ingrained in our um, DNA because we grew up in a post-Christian culture. And so on this one sense, I'm like, yes, I agree with you. We have to, we have to talk about it. But on the, on the other hand, I, there's this, I don't know what, I don't know what the answer is, but there is a part of me that, that says, but we're doing it too much because like, uh, like this is what it is creating, you know. So, like, you, I, I think there are there are practicalities to a Biden administration that I think of why I could understand why some people would vote would vote for him. That doesn't have anything to do with ideologies or what he's what he's voted for or what he or what he has um, or what he has um, voted against. And I think some people would be so incensed by that because they've made a god because they're because they've turned their morality into into ideology. And I would rather have this issue than not have it at all. You know, like I, I'm glad that we talk that we, you know, talk about morality and it's so important. And you are right. Like it's part of it. Like, you know, like Christ is the beginning and the end, but like what's in between it is things like is morality. Like it's, it's very, very important, but how, like, you know, we had a guy who asked us and I love that he asked this question. He asked us on the, on the Patreon page, how much is too much when you go out to drink? Like, how many drinks can I have and not and not commit a sin? I thought it was so interesting because, like, that's how we want to define the Christian faith. What can I do? What can I not do? And that's not what it is. Because they're like that's that's like a nuance. Like I would say that the answer to that is is you know in, is incredibly nuanced. I'm having one beer tonight. Two would be too much because it's late and I have to get up early. And I and you know I'm 37. When I was 21 and we were staying at my grand at my great aunt 
great aunt and uncle's lake house, I probably had like 12 or so. And it was fine. <laughs> like It was over the course of 24 hours. And like I was 21 and we weren't going anywhere and doing anything. We were just like hanging out, with, um, hanging out, hanging out with the family, having a great time. Like it's different. Does that make sense? Am I completely wrong here? I mean, you're not completely wrong, but I'm always, I, again, like, I have an allergy, I guess I would say, to not where, not what you're saying, but maybe where it leads two miles from now, right? Like, I, I agree with you. This is why I'm a virtue ethicist. It's because I think the virtues communicate more about what it means to live than rule following, than just, uh, you know, there's a, it's, it's ironic that I'm drinking Natty Light and talking about the Natty Law. But there, there's an element I like... I hate you. I hate everything about you. I know. Luke, <laughs> Luke, I Luke. hate your ass and your ass face. Luke, uh, you're not wrong. <laughs> you're not wrong to hate me. But let me just say, like, the, when I was a senior in at Franciscan, and I was trying to come up with my senior thesis, and I was months behind, and the more research I do... I was just flinging myself into more and more research. It was around this notion of like, what is morality? Like when we say morality, what is it? And I mean, I found that like, uh, there are some people who draw hard and fast lines because they need to, not that morality does. You know what I mean? Like, yes, yes, yes. And so like my own, like you know, like people make fun of me for the carnivore diet, but the reality is with this, I have to abstain. I can't moderate certain things. If I'm around a bunch of ice cream, I'm going to eat all the ice cream to an insane degree. So people might look at me and say, oh my gosh, Michael Gormby's being so over the top with all this craziness. But it's like, if I wasn't doing this, I would be a hundred pounds heavier. Not that I'm, you know, hitting my goal weight or anything like that, but I would be way out of control. And so you're right. Like the the temperament and the proclivities and the the habits that you've built in yourself must become part of it, right? But then my my fear is right. So you don't want to become rigid and say life is about meeting the requirements of a handful of rules. And then the pendulum will swing the other way, I fear, and into what, so you got the legalistic and then you got the antinomian or the anti-law approach, which is, which is where I fear, right? This is where angels fear to tread, right? This is, well, it's totally fine for me to drink, quote unquote, too much because it's a wedding reception or it's uh, my aunt's house or whatever you said. It's this, it's that. There are elements where twelve it, was like a bit of like an excessive example. <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest. Well, and it wasn't that much. Let's be honest. I have walked that path uh, as well. But what I'm trying to say is, right there, there's that that antinomian instinct in all of us about the thing that we can't necessarily control or moderate. That then we say, "Oh, come on, right?" You know what I mean? Like it's easy to say. Um, Stop it with the rules when it's a thing that I struggle with or a thing I don't want to admit that I struggle with. But then it becomes, you know, we can the same person can be super rigid about something else. You know what I mean? Like, for instance, yeah, I met yeah, this yeah, Pentecostal yeah, yeah. in an airport and his wife. I thought they were Amish. And I said, can I see why you're dressed 
Like, are you are you Amish? Are you Mennonite? And they started laughing. They're like, no way. No, we're Pentecostal. Holiness Pentecostal, whatever they call them. And I was like, well, why do y'all, like, you, like, you look like you're Amish. And they were like, well, women should wear female clothing, and they shouldn't wear makeup, and they shouldn't have their hair done. St. Paul talks about, you know, that's what prostitutes did back then. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. And I said, well, you, to me, you're almost like a traditional, like, homeschool Catholic. Like, oh, my gosh. Catholic. And it was funny because for him, he defined freedom as what he did when he was in a church building. And I would define him, right, like that no liturgy, praying in tongues out loud, praying for miracles, getting knocked on the floor, things like that that is common in the Pentecostal arena, charismatic arena, where the whole churches have built around those experiences. Boy, but, do I miss it. But then they're the most rigid people when it comes to how they dress, how they do that. And I just thought, like, that is me in just different ways, right? So my fear in just saying, like, you're, you are right. When it becomes an ideology, it usurps Christ in the Christocentrism of the gospel. But there is another fear that I'm afraid to apply it to my life in its – I'm afraid to unleash the consequences of the gospel in my daily life. Therefore, I say, come on, man. It's like freedom. But how – and I – I understand. Like, I, I, I'm not – I get that. And I, like, and I would agree with you on, on that. But how much – like, where my mind tends to go when I think about these things is – um. How much of the sometimes way that we define morality is actually like a cultural thing? So oh, in yeah. Austria, for example, like being 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 drunk in um, out in public is um, like kind of okay. You know, like it was like a. Th- cause I, I remember being told like you you'll probably like it wouldn't be a big deal to see the school on principle you know, drunk at Advent Fest or something. Like, it's just not a big deal. But what's the worst thing that anyone could possibly ever do is steal. And I feel like out here, being drunk and being, you know, I, I'm not saying that, like, and it's, I'm not saying that we are okay with going out and stealing things, you know, but I think we, like, we have a more of aversion to, you know, public drunkenness than I would say um, they do out in Europe or, or in that part of um, uh, that part like Central Europe. And I, I just think this there's it's I, I guess what I'm trying to is I don't know how you find that like how don't I don't know how you find that balance, but I do know that we need to try and to at the very least just be aware of it. Because, like, you know, you're right in in a thing that we talked about before. There are policies in the Democratic Party as it comes to abortion that I I view as abhorrent and evil. But does that mean then that it's a sin to vote for a Democrat? Because from a – I I don't know if I just – I just don't know if I can agree with that line of thinking. I don't know. That's a terrible example. But, like – How much of the stuff that we think is actually a, a sin, is it a sin? Do we think it's a sin because we, like, how much of, okay, so here's, okay, here's what I'm trying to say. 
the the uh, man, this is a terrible time to have a speech impediment. These um the severity of of the sin as it relates to morality. How often do we? Is it actually our own interpretation, not that of the church or God? Is that a is that a dumb question? I like like I don't I'm not good at this stuff and I haven't studied this in any sort of depth. So this is stuff I'm trying to work out. So this is why I, I, I seem so like. Ugh. <laughs> well, okay. Let me let me tell you what I told our adult confirmation class. I drew. Oh, great. <laughs> I, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. They said the same thing too. On They're the like, podcast about a discussion. You're like, let me tell you what I told my class. I'd rather die. <laughs> you have 15 seconds. Imagine a line on one side is the virtuous and on the other side is the vicious. The virtuous and the vicious differ because one pursues evil habitually and the other one pursues good habitually. And in between those, you have the undisciplined and you have the disciplined somewhere on that spectrum. When you and I are born, we are born in an undisciplined and untutored state. We said this on a show like a hundred – it's what got Father Tom to actually like our show. And it was this notion of it's not just original sin. It's also I have desires that are all over the place. I have hungers and urges and all this other all over the place. And when we just stop our moral development there, right, we'll just call them passions. I got these passions and desires. I need to train them. Right, So undisciplined, if I never discipline and I just indulge them, I become vicious because I live for myself. I live for my own indulgence. But if I begin to train them eventually, and now like, let's talk about this in our own lives, Luke. Like, How many times have we gone well beyond when we were in college, well beyond the point of hilarity when drinking? And we were just – we woke up sick as a dog. You know, I, I could probably count maybe on my hand, maybe five times total, where I woke up with a, like, borderline blackout drunk, right? Uh, College and most for me, of it, not, not a ton. My late, my mid to late 20s, though. Well, okay, Woo. so I'll agree with you. I'll say twice I woke up violently sick. Once was because I didn't know how to mix a drink, and I poured in <laughs> nine, nine, nine shots of rum and one shot of uh, Coca-Cola. Um but the other – so that honestly was a mistake. But other time it was I was just trying to run away, right? I was just trying to want to run away, and I overindulged. See, I, I – like here's, here's where I would – okay, here's where I would push back uh, against you on that is that I agree with I, – I completely agree with you on that in the sense of that you, you know, um, have the discipline, you have the, you have the undisciplined, you have virtue, you have vice or the unvirtuous, you know, or the vile, whatever. But when we talk about it, it's always in that term. It's always either A or B. And it's – I just don't think that that's actual – I think it's A to Z. Like I think, I think there are goods, and then there are higher goods, and there are like it's it's a. I think it's much more. I mean, I think it's a little bit. I think like the real experience of that is actually really is actually really fluid, but we tend to hold ourselves to these. I sound like a woke person, and I hate it right now. You really do. You really do. But I love it. I don't hate it, but I love it right now. Like it's. 
I just I I don't necessarily like. I mean, so like when if when we want to, when we talk about the idea of it, yes, I am completely. I'm with you one hundred percent. When we talk about it's uh, when we talk about it's uh, it's uh, applicability to our lives i just don't think it's that binary and i think it actually is kind is kind of it's, it's kind of dangerous to hold ourselves to that intense of a standard well okay so in in the four parts right the vicious the undisciplined the disciplined and the virtuous the idea of the disciplined is they know good things they know what they should do but they don't love it they don't necessarily want it. They just know that they should do it. And we've all been there. That's what I was trying to get at with the drunkenness example. Like, I know I shouldn't drink this much. I'm not at a wedding. It's a Thursday night. I'm at – no, it's not even a beautiful, holy time at Cross Creek Tavern. Mm, you know, gosh, I miss it. I miss it so much. So uh, much. But it's, it's like a Friday. Or it, it could be a Tuesday afternoon. I got done with classes early. Okay, right? like, okay, like, okay here's, a, here's a practical example. When we were there from 4 p.m. to 2 a.m., was that wrong? No, I don't think it was wrong. See, that, that, I, I see the binary that you're saying. And you even said that when we were with the priest about wanting to spend $3,000 or $4,000 on your birthday. And you were like, mm-hmm. is that wrong? And it's like, well, if you're doing lines of coke, yeah. But mm-hmm. if you're just doing it because you want to have a big party and because you're Bilbo Baggins and everyone <laughs> needs to be there. <laughs> I would love, Luke, if you do this and we all come to this farm, and number one, I will absolutely chip in. Number two, <laughs> number two, you better give a speech uh, where you say, I, I love half of you as much as, as well I as want, as and I like half of you love, half as well as no, you No, and then I like I'm less than half of you half as well as you deserve. Yeah, like that. yeah, yeah. It's a great yeah. line. You better say that. Um, <laughs> after you've been drinking, speech pediment. Derek Webb will be playing the music. And I'm like, it's because we're famous. <laughs> But no, what I'm saying is, uh, like, I, I, I think you're right. Like, there are totally areas where people, like, our neuroticism throws in absolutes where there aren't. But there are things that are absolutes in our faith. And, you know, in, the, in, in terms of a moral law, right, like, good and evil acts, the object, intention, and circumstances have to be there, right? If something is good, but it's a, for a good object but an evil end, I effed it all up. If I have a bad intention... I have – maybe I did a good thing in the world, but to me it's imputed as evil because I have a bad intention. But outside of that, like I think you're right. There is a – especially among committed Christians, which I think maybe is, is the idea that you're drawing from, we oh, tend yeah, to see yeah, yeah, sin yeah, yeah, where there yeah, is absolutely. no sin. We tend to run, run away from chimeras and illusions of sin. Now, there are early – but some of that is prudent. Like, yeah, I know yeah, 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 that yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. going to slippery slope. Like, this is my slippery slope. So I'm just going to wrap a guardrail around this whole thing and not even come close to it. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Like, I think we have friends who, if I were to drink around them, and, like, I, 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 like I, we have, like, there are people in our lives, whether they have certain addictions or something, like it would be wrong for us to indulge in these things around them, even though for us it would be fine. You know, I, I'm not saying that's true for everyone who. Yeah, and that's uh, right out addiction. of Saint Paul. I mean, Saint Paul talks about. Yeah. You know, sometimes you just got to give up what you can do in freedom because it might lead someone else to sin. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I like my. I, I just um, like okay. So let me go back to like the example of uh, I think us. I'm um, drinking in, in college is a great example because it's honestly like. 
so all over the place and such a like one of the things I love about going to the us to the Austria campus and there were many things but one was I felt like it was like it was kind of a safe space to really grow in virtue and drinking was such a great way to learn how to do that yeah I, I really I really believe this because you, it was a place where you could kind of screw up, and for the most part, because of the way that they, I, I, I'm, I'm not saying that it was good that you screwed up. But I think it was like you, you have to fail. Like this is why I would not have done well if I had gone to a place like a Christendom. I know plenty of people who who have and have done great. I would, I would have suffocated and and just it would not have been well for me. I need a little bit of freedom, and that's how you grow in virtue. Especially for a person like me, and I would even say like you, like we need that freedom a bit. Yeah. And what I loved about the Austria on the campus was you could drink too much, but like they made it really hard to sneak a girl back into your room. You know, like I mean, you could. It was you know, like it 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 um, wasn't the hardest thing in the world, but it certainly wasn't as easy as it was at you know on the at UD or you know anywhere else where any of my friends went. You know, and I dorms and all that. Yeah, yeah. Like I like the fact that it's like, hey, like we're gonna give you the freedom. We're gonna gonna make it kind of hard. Like you're gonna have to try to be a bad person, though. You know, and and like, and I, I think it, there's um, uh, I I'm I'm not encouraging everyone to go out and to get drunk and to like puke their guts out at all. I don't like that. Like, and, and how we talk about when we talk about um, going out and, like going out and drinking. It's the Steubenville version of that, so keep that in mind. <laughs> um, but there's this, um, there's this like a, there's this thing we can kind of like out there that that I that like I liked where you could indulge more than you would at other places and start to learn what is your line, what's good, what's not, what are the certain, what are the situations where you can drink more and perhaps you can't um, because you have a test or because you have this, you've got that, you don't have as much money, you don't. You know, you are in a bad place. You aren't as hydrated. Like there are so many different things that are that are at that are at play, and it's like a training ground to just grow in virtue. And I feel like I feel like a more responsible person due to my bar experience in Austria. I really believe that. Well, let me put it this way: it's the difference between, in a lot of ways, an externally imposed discipline and kind of an internally imposed discipline, like. You were realizing as an adult, the more you became an adult, the more, the less you needed the law to be imposed on you. And the more you, you know, you explored the boundaries of your freedom and you realize it's not all that bad away from, you know, the, the fear in, you know, the guardrails that other people set up for you because they're scared you're going to fail. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, and, you know, I, I, this was my biggest criticism of a certain person who ran res life after us and kind of overlapped with us. But when I was in a resident assistant, oh yeah, (laughs) this is, we're we're going back 15 years in this deep cut. But when I was a resident assistant, the, the whole thing in our dorm was, was essentially like you treat people like people. They're going to make mistakes. If they go beyond a certain thing, then yeah, you got to write them up or do whatever. But don't be petty and cruel and look, be on the lookout to like, to mess people up. And there were people that were like that. And I remember this one uh, person took over, and I couldn't stand them. A lot of people got to know this person said, oh, she's, she's a gem. 
I could not stand this person because what I saw her was, and there was this whole vibe for about five years at Franciscan that I detested. And it started with us, but it, it more or less grew after us, which was essentially this. I don't want you to do bad things, so I'm going to make a trillion laws and rules and policies so that if you break a minuscule one, I'm gonna, you know, you're going to get smashed, and so you'll never do the really, really bad ones. And there's a certain point where, like, it was, the, to use your words, it was suffocating. We were creating an environment where it was essentially a giant, you know, uh, padded room for college. Like, here you are as a young adult trying to understand yourself, your limits, your freedom, your this, your that. And you were not couched in any way or you, you were completely cut off in every way. And I felt like everything you did was wrong or potentially wrong. Whereas in Austria, it was the complete opposite. It was like, uh, like so for those of you listening who maybe you went to a non-Catholic school that was like this, you know, when you're what on main like? campus, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was it like to dream? No, uh, when you're on, when, <laughs> when you're, you're in a campus, when your school has academic standards, yeah. When I mean, like, uh, I didn't have an SAT we, or an ACT. Um, <laughs> please go to Franciscan, everyone. We, we we love it so much. <laughs> but Our kids had no choice. When we were when we were freshmen, we went to University of Dayton during Halloween. Big mistake. But <laughs> was it though? No, not, not even a little <laughs> not, bit. Uh, <laughs> but. Uh, that's where I saw the differences between our, our campus life, because they're both Catholic schools. But at Franciscan, women are only allowed, like, in, in your room on Saturday and Sunday between a certain amount of time. And then for the rest of the time, they have to be, you have to be in common areas, whether it's a common room on your hall or, you know, a middle space or and whatever. And we're talking, you had a total of, like, eight hours over the course of an entire a weekend where you could be in the opposite, right. opposite and then, room. Right. And I remember how funny it was that we'd go into the, your buddy's dorm and we're, number one, they had cable in every room. And your buddies <laughs> and had TVs. And, and they were just like, I'm downloading all these, all these oh, illegal God. songs, like just hundreds, just, I mean, hundreds and hundreds, and just being like, what's that like? Yeah. <laughs> I should have brought my laptop. Uh, oh, wait, it was stolen at Franceskin. Uh, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was by a guy who didn't go there, though. So that's my, that's, that's the okay. But no, so we were there, and I remember sitting in the circle, and this guy is shotgun and a beer, right? Like he stabbed a hole in the bottom of the can, sucked it out, and then he smashed it on his head. And the, one of your friends turned to me and went, I can't stand that guy. He thinks he's awesome. And I remember being here, and I'm like, this is so different because I'm sitting in between two girls. And I'm like, it's not even a Saturday. <laughs> look at me. <laughs> look, look, look at me. me. I'm free and dancing. <laughs> look at these ladies. No. But it was so funny because it only got more and more control. But then when you were at Franciscan, it was the exact – or when you were at uh, Austria, it was the exact opposite. It was like, listen, you're all uh, – none of you are freshmen here. Some of you are sophomores. But here's the deal. Like, you have these hours every day, go into each other's rooms. Who cares? Like, blah, blah, blah. There's common rooms everywhere. There's so much open space. There's a bar there's like in a mile walk. In, in one room. So it's, so it's yeah. just like, yeah, you're not going to, yeah. But it was, it was such a different experience that you explored the container, right? You felt free to explore the container. And the container was pretty big. But you didn't feel like your soul was at jeopardy. Maybe you made some dumb decisions. Right, Luke, uh, trick or trink. But uh, no, I I missed it. It's I'm so bad. <laughs> oh, that's right. You I was praying for everyone for the FOP team with um, oh with uh, Jen Ruth and I forget who else was uh, was part of it. Probably Pat Duffy and yeah, yeah. Oh man, Dude. I'll never so, forget 
coming out of there and seeing everyone passed out, being half jealous, half furious. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the disciplined man. Right, so that like coming back to that four thing, yeah. right? Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The undisciplined is one that that would just throw themselves in it, and if someone gave you like, hey, you really shouldn't get this obliterated, be like, f you, you don't know what you're talking about. The disciplined man would would oscillate between one of two things: either a he would be the judgmental jerk, how dare you, or b he would be the jealous jerk, and then would go further than everyone else. Because he felt the sting of his conscience, whereas the undisciplined people didn't. But then he's like, well, if I'm – it's like every guy that looks at porn. Like, what do they say? Well, okay, I've already mortal sinned. Here comes the avalanche. (laughs) And I'm not saying that, like, that's – like, I'm I'm not trying to argue for, like, you know, do whatever um, you want. Yeah, I don't think anyone It doesn't matter. I'm I'm trying to argue for – we have to understand – that like okay, so when you look at like where do you actually find like find like nuance in um, in the federal government? It's actually at the Supreme Court level, and that's I think we kind of need to be more like that in the way that we talk about the world and us and our friends and politics and the quote unquote other side and and you know all of these things and less like Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Because Less like politicians, politicians trying to get elected, and more like people actually engaging in the practice of yeah, because that's law. just as much as part of the federal government as the president is. They're not any; they're just as important yep. as his, con- you know, and all this other stuff. Like it's kind of why the Supreme Court is completely fascinating, yeah, and why like we should read more of their stuff because it's. I mean, you see that that it's really, really nuanced, and why sometimes people will vote in ways that we don't really expect them to, and. All these other things, and it. I, I just, um, I, I love when Benedict gave that interview, and I, I, I. This is probably a bad example, but I really um like it when he talked about the African prostitute, uh, the African, the African male, pros, um, yeah, prostitute who, if he was starting to feel like what he was doing was bad, and then he, if he were to use a condom, it could be like. Like it would, I, I, I don't, I don't remember. So what, what he, he said was, was, "There's a male prostitute who has AIDS, and yes, he yes, that's knows right. he has AIDS, and he doesn't give a dang. He's just having sex, doing whatever. But then there comes a point in time where, for some reason, he feels a conviction that uh, oriented towards the other, and so he begins to use a condom. And his idea behind that was." Like, let's take this extreme example that's very that's still very real, right? It's a hypothetical yeah. Yeah. that's very yeah, yeah, real. Yeah, yeah. Real. Yeah. And he, his whole point was saying, like, even though he's doing something that's an intrinsically, objectively evil thing, and that that was the whole point, right? Prostitution, right? You're you're selling your body and your sex for money, right? We're, he's not trying to get into well, why was this person there? No, he's just saying this person has AIDS, so having sex might literally kill them in 10 years, whatever. And so he said, so even something as intrinsically evil as wearing a condom in this specific situation would actually manifest a heart growing towards charity. It would actually manifest a heart growing towards charity, towards love of my neighbor. Because now, okay, I feel bad that I'm doing this. I'm not going to stop doing this, at least not right now. 
but I will maybe mitigate the evil, the ultimate evil of of. My and my whole point is, I think we need to look for more things like that, and I think we need to think in terms. Of, I am, I am now. Of course, that is and that is an extreme, an extreme example, but we do live in extreme times. And I think we need to, especially as we think about others or things that are, and I'm not trying to say that like we settle for the lowest um, thing or like the least or the path of least resistance. But I do think this, we need like this attitude of like, okay, what's really going on here? What's, what are some of the nuances at play as opposed to immediately going, if you do this, you're evil and wrong. And I'm am referring specifically to the election. Yeah, I was like, I, I feel like you're referring to something here. Yeah, like yeah, I, I because just, like you can't apply that across the board. Because if you shoot someone in the face, you you did something that's evil and wrong. Yeah, you're yeah, at no. War. And I'm I'm not right. I'm not. But 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 like that's the thing. But like unless you're at like there right. to, to I I don't I think when it comes to our local politics and our like own lives and that of our own community, whether that be like in our own house or even in our, you know, own country, we don't want to look at those. Like we don't want to take in the full picture and it might not be if there might, there it might not be a whole lot of nuance, but we don't give it to anything right now to anyone. And this is why like, I love what Matt Fred does. Cause I think on like um, on his show, like you know, Pines with Aquinas, or when he gives talks on porn, he gets into the, the, like he gets into a lot of the, the nitty gritty stuff. And I'm not, and I, 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 I like, I just don't think that the answer is always um, is always extremely clear, and that it applies to everyone. I just don't think that that's true. Yeah, which is why in the Catholic Church we call that the determinatio. Right, like, how do I apply the rule, the law, the whatever, to the actual real deal holy field that's right in front of me? That's as C.S. Eliot said. That's where the shadow lies. Like, applying, exercising judgment can only be done well by a person who's virtuous. But, 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 let me even bring it back. Like one, okay. one point is that, like, I. Can you be a virtuous person and lose your soul? Can you become so obsessed with this, with this stuff that you lose the sight of Christ and could lose your own salvation? Well, when you say s- virtuous, I, I I think maybe we're talking and not defining our terms here because to be virtuous is to share in the virtues of Christ. So I don't I don't think you can be virtuous without okay, putting okay. Christ ultimately at the okay. center. I mean, you can be moral in terms of you're not a murderer, you're not a thief. But you can be a prideful, when you, when, arrogant jerk. When you say things of like virtue, my mind, or you say when you say I'm a virtuous, my mind tends to go to like the like the more um, the a modernal understanding of that. Yeah, I feel like you're going to what our modern culture would say, like like well, the no, virtuous is being no. like the super super moral people. No, 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 no. I'm referring more to like. Uh, like Ben, like Ben Franklin's ten virtues, like more stuff that would have been big, like during like the Enlightenment up and t- 
until modernity. Yeah, well, not the, really post modernity. Uh, fair enough, but that that's the point of understanding the difference between the vicious and the virtuous, and the undisciplined and the disciplined. The disciplined person, right? Benjamin Franklin was probably a very disciplined person, right? That doesn't mean that even he though he loved had, whores, he loved whores, uh, especially in France. That didn't mean that he was actually a virtuous person because what Benjamin Franklin was doing as a utilitarian was drawing up a list of rules, and he defined virtue as nothing other than the habitual following of rules. And that is not the Catholic definition of virtue. The Catholic definition of virtue are dispositions or qualities of your soul that allow you not just to give, to do the right thing, but to give the very best of yourself. And so that's why the distinction of making between the disciplined man and the good man, uh, the virtuous man, is the, the disciplined man knows what's good, but he doesn't necessarily love it. He's more of the duty for duty's sake, just for justice's sake. But, his the 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 disciplined person is one that is given to prone uh, to um, that is given over to tendencies of either extreme rigidity or extreme like oh crap I failed now I'm going full bore into but the I, failure I, but the virtuous I, person is one who knows what is not just a good thing to do but the capital G good true and beautiful and they rejoice in it they. The, the good becomes easy and joyful to do. It's not a disciplined thing to do in that stage. But the I probably put yeah. that stuff into very black and white terms, though. Yeah, but the and virtuous don't. We I don't do in trying to become virtuous oh. because we don't know how to navigate. So we create these rules. But, like, but, but we I become think that's, super rigid. But that's still a lot. Um, I, I feel like I'm trying to, I, I feel like it sounds like I'm arguing against the idea of I'm virtue and I'm not at all. What I'm saying is that, like, if if you don't begin with Christ, I don't see how this can end in any other way but ideologies. Yeah, and, like, and I'm saying the Christian attitude for 2,000 years is we begin with Christ and Christian morality is defined as life in Christ. Yeah, and that's I, I, the virtues. But here's the deal. You can't mitigate the application of what Christ gave us. And I think – I'm not saying that you're doing that, but I'm saying that that's the tendency, like the tendency towards antinomianism, anti-law, for the sake of freedom is the modern tendency. That's the modern push, right? And then so we push back with more law and more rules. What was Chesterton's line? When you break the big laws, you don't get anarchy. You get the, the small laws, right, the million small laws. My whole point is it's not that Jesus Christ there, – there's Jesus Christ and then there's a whole bunch of rules, right? Like the rules lead me to Jesus Christ. And there are some things that are black and white. And there are some things that there's a lot of gray because we can't determine it down to – and nth degree, and your situation with your temperament, your past, and your your inability to reign in stuff over here, and your ability to reign in stuff over there, it is going to be different than you. The church calls that lumps that into one thing called circumstances, right? If your object is good and your intentions are good, right? If my object, I want to have fun with my friends, my intention, I'm I'm going to stay clean and sober, but then I fling myself into a bar knowing that I'm an alcoholic, or throwing myself into a place where I'm seeing people enjoying alcohol. And I tell myself the lie, yes, I can enjoy this too. Or a porn addict going to a place where but people yeah, are I, scantily I'm, clad. I'm, I'm not trying to argue. I'm, I'm not trying to say that that's like bad. 
Right. What I'm trying to say is that, like, when you um, – I don't think the answer when you have a when – when you have a Christian culture that builds ideologies out of this is to necessarily lean into them harder and think you're just doing it wrong. I think we have to take a step back and really ask ourselves, are we really – is this really about um, Jesus Christ or not? Or is this about myself? Is this about f- feeling safe? I, I think that's what I'm actually t- trying to get at here. Because if it's – if it is, I think you're right. Like you're – like you are like more willing to go into these areas where you are being unvirtuous about it and you're not – uh, for one, persecuting individuals that you think are wrong in their approach to the same thing. Yeah, to a point. To a point. What do you mean? Well, there, there comes a point where what we're, where when some when someone is doing something wrong. In the in the Christian tradition, it's not just it may not no, no, just no, no, be no, no, wrong. No, 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 I, I, no, I don't think you understand me. I, I mean, don't. When you are when you are when you are persecuting others who are coming at it um, from the same place, but in a different way. So, like, so, okay, so. Um, like this is where I think how someone like um, I don't know if Taylor Marshall is really doing this in terms of morality. I am but. so done with talking about Taylor Marshall. <laughs> yeah, he, well, he's then, becoming an ideological puppet. I mean, um, but he's so popular. Um, I'm trying. Like I, the only thing that's coming to mind is the election. So let me just put it on this way. I under I think it's very possible for a person to have um, voted for. Joe Biden or to have voted for to have voted for Donald Trump because of like coming from a, a deep a like deep relationship in the Lord and trying to do what they think is the right thing. And I, I, I don't see how why that is such a bad idea. Because of the freedom that like the, that the Lord gives us to like we have free will. And I don't mean I'm freedom in, 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 in the sense to, to determine what I want. I mean that it's a choice that we're able to – it's a choice that we can make freely. I don't see why that's such a hard concept or why it's one that people reject. I could see why they – like, see, I have big issues with it. Uh, um, abortion, or like, the, like I could see why I, I see what makes it really, really um difficult and hard. But I don't see why the very idea of wanting to vote for, especially in this current election, why it would be a mortal sin to vote for one of those guys, which I think some people think that it is, and I don't think it is. That's that's what that's what I'm, I'm trying to get at. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you could call it a mortal sin or a grave sin or whatever to vote. But there are for. people who are absolutely doing that right. on both. On both, I mean, for yeah. both of them, right? I struggle in being able to have this conversation right now because the only reason why I came out in favor of Trump, right, as it as it boils down, is 
the level of radical pro-choiceness in the left has amplified more in this election, and that might be in response to Trump and the last four years, whatever. But it is so radical. I mean, Democrats for Life took out a full-page ad in the New York Times begging the Democrats to just back it off a bit because the rhetoric was so intense. And Bernie Sanders said it best four years ago, and he reiterated, if you are not pro-choice, you have no place in the Democratic Party, right? I mean, that was a thing that was that is shouted from the rooftops. And, you know, part of the reason why it's shouted from the rooftops is it is a place where Democrats can carve a niche away from Republicans. So it's a part of the two-party system, and there is nuance there. But the I think part of the vitriol involved in our conversations within Catholics talking about the voting thing is that they only voted for Trump, not because they like Trump, not because they care about any of this stuff, uh, not because they like him in any way, shape, or form. They're afraid of a culture that is radically pro-euthanasia, that is radically pro-abortion. And, and when I say radically, I mean like in two, two degrees that is soul-shakingly scary, and they I, want you to pay for it. I understand. I understand. That's why people are. I, I. I. I understand that, and I'm not saying that it's wrong to vote that way because of that. But I don't think that's a scientific fact. Like, oh, that's a weird. That's a very weird way to put that. I. I don't. I. Um, I think it's a. I think it is a valid reason why you a person would vote for Donald Trump, and it's why. Like, I may or may not have voted for him. Do you see what I did there? Uh, <laughs> the, uh, but what I'm saying is um, it's not very clear. And I think one of the reasons why it's not very why it's not very clear is because I don't think there's like a um, – I don't think there's a right and a wrong choice in this election. I think there are right and wrong reasons for wanting to vote for one or the other. But I don't think that there's a right or wrong. I mean, there are grave concerns with both of them. Like, so that's, that's, that's all that I'm trying to say. And I, 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 well, that's why I brought up the, like, whole morality thing, because I think it's what leads us to this point. It's just kind of this. And I, I, I. And I agree with you that we can't like. I'm not trying to say like let's discard uh, morality, but I'm I'm ju- I'm just. Um, there's got to be a middle way to this stuff. Yeah, and I think there are middle ways. You could have voted American Solidarity Party. You could have refused to write. I had one friend who said I filled out the entire ballot and I refused to write in a presidential candidate. Um, no, 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 no. I I don't. Sorry, I, that's. That's not, no, no, no. That's what what I'm trying to say is there are, I think, morally upright ways that are more than just either vote for A because of X, Y, and Z or B because of X, Y, and Z. There are more than one ways that a Catholic can express their correctly formed conscience in the voting booth other than you vote for Trump or else you go to hell or you vote for Biden or else you go to hell. I don't think we want that because this is an election season. To polarize in a two-party system is a requirement of the election season, 
right? It's a requirement, right? There, there is, this is the marketing that we've become, right? There is. It has been that way since Hamilton and Jefferson. Right. It has. Exactly. And it, and it only amplifies when you add things like television commercials, when you add things like, um, uh, you know, things like Twitter and social media where we have the, the minute, the second-by-second second access to the interior thoughts of celebrities, right? It adds to it, right? And all this stuff just – it increases. This is why, like, me and my wife watched – instead of watching election coverage, we watched Deadpool. Because, number one <laughs> – That's the middle way. Because, uh, <laughs> because I'm a romantic. Okay, number one. And <laughs> number two – what my lady friend likes. That's what my lady friend likes. But number two is the back and forth vitriol I cannot stand. And I think the more virtuous you become – here I go signaling – the less we as a culture should stand this stuff. Like there is a part where it's like if you – like let, let me think of a – I guess maybe Bush um, – W. Bush in 2000. Like I was like all four, right? And it's – when you're on the team – and I think maybe this is part of your angst is you're not on either team and I'm not on either team, but I'm not angsty about it, I guess. But the, the thing is like when I was on a team, like Ron, what am I thinking? George W. Bush, Ron Paul. When I was riding the Ron Paul train in 2008, every sent of signs that said reject the road to serfdom. <laughs> I sure did. Oh, I went and saw him at a historically black college, give a talk. It was beautiful. He was the whitest thing there. Uh, it was incredible, right, how much I rejoiced when he destroyed his opponents in a jab, in an argument, in a quote, in a this, and a that, because he intellectually was head and shoulders. Now, he looks like a goofy old crazy man, but intellectually, he was the most read man on the stage, hands down, all this stuff, um, and I, I was simpatico with a lot of his ideas. However, I haven't been like that before or since. And there's an element of distance that you and I have from a lot of this that people who are all in for Trump. Like I get a neighbor that has a sign that says, vote for Trump, cut the bullshit. And that's his sign on his front yard. And I'm like, man, that guy is all in. Right? I'm glad my kids can see that. I know. That's, that's what I was thinking as I was walking by. Kids, don't look. There's a naughty word. But, Daddy, you and Mr. Lukey say those words all the time. Shut up, you. <laughs> it's paying for the van. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn. It needs so much work. But don't worry. I'll detail it and then sell it. Um, Patreon.com slash CF. That's <laughs> Patreon.com slash CF. Where we just ask for your prayers when things are going rough. Yeah, gosh. So bad. So dark. Uh, but no, no, no. But like people who are all in, they rejoice in the defeat of an enemy, in the attack, in that, like, I mean, we're all in. This is the reason why you yelled at me last week for giving candy to our enemies during sports ball, right, back in college. Yeah, because that was dumb of you, and then killed the fun vibe where we wanted to kill. Please, <laughs> please, Luke, don't you understand this is what is tearing our country apart? <laughs> Can't no, we sports. all just It's get... sports. That's where it's fun. Yeah, like... no, I think you're forgetting the background of that story, which was... The guy peed on the couch. The guy peed on the couch, and he threatened to come at us, and he was mentally unstable, and he eventually was kicked out of the university for being mentally unstable. I would have gone at him. <laughs> he used the George Foreman grill under his blanket, Luke. I had to kick him out of the dorm. How weird, weird is that? But That's weird. This guy, so the, 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 re, the surrounding thing is like 
a lot of people who listen to us and have written written in. I mean, some of them are probably you know I'm, I'm supporting Trump because of the pro life issue. I'm supporting Biden because of I don't know whatever you know Trump's an asshole. Trump's a womanizer. Like there's a lot, there's a litany, right? But at its core, because I'm not on a team and I don't think you're on a team. When we start to look at this, we get so sick and tired of people who like. I mean, there's literally. I get emails every day demanding I figure out a way to get the priest to give homilies and you have to vote for Trump and vote for Biden. I get both emails almost every day, and I'm not even the priest. So I hate all of this, and I agree with you. I felt like you took this morality turn uh, with, such a, with such a wandering path to get to the, the point. Well, because, but I, I, think it's why we're, I think it's why we are where we are, though, this inability to kind of understand that – you know what? Like there are differences and there are priorities that are different. And there are things like you, like you are different than me. You are other. Like as much as we are, as we are on one and you know, we are, we are um, podcasts on man and wife. I, I, I won't say who's who it changes, <laughs> <laughs> but we, but we do have a legal document that says we are bound to each other. It's true. It's true. <laughs> it's true. I just, I got, the, I got the certificate this past week. Ooh. <laughs> I should take a picture of it so you have it for. I no, I actually think I have it in the in the in the, the Dropbox. Anywho, um, I actually want before, you to take a picture of Aaron holding it up, but she has to cover her face with the <laughs> thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, we are small business owners, everyone. <laughs> no, I mean, I get, I get where you're going with this. This moralism gives way to ideology, gives way to. The hardcore rage fest denunciation of everyone all the time, and it is sickening and it is annoying. Because, like, I I also think it's very possible to say, like, actually, the reasons why you are I'm voting for this person is is wrong, and I don't agree with you. But I, I don't think it means that. I think it's when they become a villain in your eyes because of that. Like, especially if you like, if you if like you know them and you understand, I, I and I can understand being annoyed or being I'm fr- like, like I have liked things where people have put stuff up on Facebook that seem to be very contrarian to e- each other, and it's just wherever my brain's at in that moment, <laughs> you know. So I, I um, and like like when I talked about the middle way earlier. What I really meant was like in sense of our approach to morality, there's got to be some way where we don't ignore it and we fully and we fully engage with it. I think a Matt Fradge is a great podcast in terms of doing that because they get into the nitty gritty of it, but at the same time, while not while understanding that like this isn't this is a part of the Christian life. It is not the only part, and it's like perhaps not a hill worth dying on right now. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I could be wrong. My biggest fear is that as Christians, we allow the national circus, which is important, but is still a circus, to abdicate accidentally because it's so loud and distracting our local role, right? Like, I remember I was talking with a guy who was railing against, you know, the libs because they didn't care about subsidiarity. You know, the principle of subsidiarity where problems should be handled at its lowest level, first in the home, family, then community, state, then, then you know, expanding wider to the federal level. And they're like, oh, the libs, they never do that. But the reality is, like, so many of us are caught up in Trump versus Biden that we don't even know who the people are running for our local school board. Right? Yeah. Well, here's, here's actually a really good – a really good – 
example that I – here's a great thing that I did. So I have a friend from high school, uh, Kate Berger, who was uh, uh, who was running for state for state um, representative, and Kate was running as um, a Democrat. And from what I've – and, I, you know, we've, we've been Facebook friends for like – I mean – since the beginning of Facebook, I think. And so, like, uh, seeing her post every now and again, I'm like, there are certain things that I know we do not, we do, um, we do um, not agree on at all. But the, but the stuff that she was talking about in her, well, while she was trying to run and the things that were important to her, I was, for the most part, pretty on board with. And the Republican person who ran, I think her name was Andrea White, she was just talking about, like, kind of like what her, uh, you know, ideologies were god i'm guns and country and i'm like i'm with you i love all those things um but like kate's actually talking about stuff like what she wants to do you're talking you're trying like uh, you're trying um to sell me on an idea of what you're about like tell me what you want to do like tell me a little bit more about who you are and like what you want and why you want like i don't want to hear just like you know you love guns and you love your family and you love god like that's great i I don't know if that's actually true. Just tell me what you want to do. And I voted for Kate because I know her and she's an outstanding person. I mean, I've, I've talked to her in a long time, but like she was always great. And I liked what she, I liked the stuff that she was about for this. What was what, about what she talked about? Like what was important to her right now? Now she didn't win because this area is pretty right wing. So, um, but I'm like, I was like, why? Like this wasn't that hard to do that. I didn't, feel bad it wasn't it was pretty obvious to me to be able to make that call and i'm like this should be easier right like we should be able to do this no (laughs) no we shouldn't we should fight each other all the time everyone deserves to die (laughs) everyone deserves to die oh my gosh we may have like lost a lot of people perhaps this was just a terrible conversation we'll have to re-record luke i sent you a meme I am lying down on my bed in my underwear, so I can't see it. Give me a second here.